Benvenuti ai Business Talks di Idea, un podcast pensato per gli sviluppatori italiani di videogiochi. L'appuntamento di oggi è Before First Playable. Thank you everyone for joining us. We have some super awesome guests today. We have Giovanna from 505 Games, Zach from Frontier, Bobby from Sega, and Lauren from Square Enix Collective. Uh, so this is probably uh, the most VIP business talks that we ever had on this channel. Uh, so thank you for joining us uh, and thank you for the publishers to joining us because I think it will be awesome for our developers to hear from you. Um, we, we try to talk uh, everything publisher related uh, going forward to first playable. So I would first ask you to briefly introduce yourself and your company. Whoever wants to start, it's fine. Okay, I'll kick it off. Um, I'm Bobby from Sega. I've been at Sega nearly 10 years now. And at Sega, I'm in a team called Searchlight, which is the incubation arm of um, Sega. So what we look to do is work with the external developers, create a forger partnership. The intention is to create a really long-term partnership, create a new or grow an original IP. So we don't really do licensed properties and we don't really look to kind of dip into Sega's heritage IPs or we're looking to do something new and original, ideally. That's me. All right, I'll, I'll jump in next. My name's Zach. Antonacci, I'm from Frontier Developments. I'm the director of publishing there. So Frontier Developments, for those of you who don't know, have been making games for about 26 years now. They made a number of different titles many years ago, such as Rollercoaster Tycoon 3, Zoo Tycoon for the Xbox, Connect Disneyland Adventures, and then about six years ago went self-published and launched our first self-published title, which was Elite Dangerous, and then continued to release more self-published titles, such as uh, Planet Coaster. Jurassic World Evolution and uh, Planet Zoo. Um, the studio are UK-based, have just over 500 people. And um, yeah, we continue to make our own titles, but also uh, look to work with other development studios to, to bring their titles out as well. I'll go next. Hello, everybody. I guess most of you know me already. For those who don't know me, I'm in charge of business development for 505 Games Digital Bros. 505 is um, the publishing entity of Digital Bros, who's an Italian company that has been in the industry for many years now. Um, we are the publishers of games like Payday, Terraria, most recently Bloodstain, Journey to the Savage Planet, and we're going to launch that's running PC in two weeks from uh, today now and you know I'm as you all know we're very keen to work with our Italian developers on top of everyone else we really feel very connected because we are an Italian company and we want to help you out as much as possible to uh, become a profitable grow and you know great environment Hello everyone, uh, my name is Lauren and I'm a producer at Square Enix. I work on a team called Collective, which is Square Enix's indie publishing arm. What our aim is really is to connect with indie teams from all over the world and use the resources that Square Enix has to help uh, push and promote those indie games. Okay, that's great. So I would start as we did in the last few business talks. I have some questions for you. You can answer whenever you want and then uh, the audience can pose some questions in the appropriate channel. If we have questions from the audience, I will filter them and write them to you. So let's start with a 
easy one, but also an hard, hard question because it's something that a lot of developers ask me. It's that, what are you and your company looking for? I think this is a very personal question because every company, every publisher is looking for something different. So in your case, what are you looking for when you are when they're approached by different teams? Um, so I'll go first. I'm Bobby from Sega. This is Bobby's voice. And what we look for at the moment, because these things always change, right? The, the, the key thing for us is that we want to lean into what Sega's really good at. So we're looking for games that are premium, not free to play, or PC console. We're not really looking at mobile, AR or VR games at the moment. And in terms of like genre, there isn't really like a genre that I'm like, yeah, this is a genre that we're looking for. But it's more, I think there's certain genres that I'm not looking for. Like I'm not looking for like a 2D platformer or like a typically mobile thing, like, you know, match three or an endless run or anything like that. What I'm looking for is something that's more for the core end user and something that could really turn into a hobby, you know, like hundreds of hours that can be played into that and, and just like, like almost like a living game sort of thing. Right. And we want something that's got a heavy lean into games as a service, something that could really break out, become like a genre leader and and really kind of disrupt the market in a good way. So basically stuff that Frontier's doing, we love. Cause I think I've just described what Frontier does. <laughs> but yeah, like we love your games Frontier, but yeah, it's something like that. It doesn't have to always be a simulation. It could, it could be any genre, right? If it's got multiplayer elements that really, I think helps with the whole turning it into a hobby thing and making it really playable for many, many hours. It doesn't have to be though. Yeah, and then in terms of budget sizes, it's probably in the millions. Anything below a million is probably gonna be hard for me to convince Sega to, to get involved because there's, there'll be an opportunity cost, right? Because it's really, we've, we're a relatively small team, so there's only so many projects we can sign. So we wanna make sure we sign games that really maximize what we have to offer to the, to the world. So it's probably in the, I don't know, maybe like a really good sweet spot probably five to eight million somewhere in that range i hope that will make sense that's basically what i'm looking for cool right well first of all uh thanks bobby for actually organizing the the order because otherwise we were all being far too far too polite and holding on and yeah and, and <laughs> like, well i'm not going first i'm not going to be seen as that one so uh thanks mate um also uh again thanks also for the the the, the compliment on the the games so this is Zach from Frontier, as, as we mentioned. Uh, yeah, in terms of, uh, and I think this is going to be terrible because it's going to sound like I'm, I'm half copying Bobby. So um, the type of games that we're looking for, very, very similar, I, I think, in, in some respects to that. Um, so certainly PC console, not really sort of a mobile first. Um, you know, we believe that, that sort of the PC console is the area where um, our strengths are and, and where we've been, you know, seeing a lot of success previously. Generally lean more towards a, a premium title, although that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, a free-to-play isn't necessarily a, a potential, but, you know, we would generally lean towards a premium title as well. And then, yeah, I think for us, the, the key thing really is, uh, you know, we're in terms of genres, uh, we have a very wide genre. I know that as a studio, we, we you know, often make uh, management or simulation games and, and whatever else. But I think that, you know, in terms of the publishing side, we're, we're very open to quite a wide uh, variation of genres. And, and really, it is, a, it is quite a difficult question in terms of what genre you're looking for, because again, we're looking for something that has that, that, that kind of magic to it, that has something really 
really, you know, uh, it's a, a, a wonderful game with with that kind of passion behind it and the vision from the developers and, and all of that side of things. So um, for us, it's kind of, um, you know, it's it's every game is different and every game is unique. And so um, we're not so much sort of restricted by, by genre style. And then in terms of budget, I think this is where hopefully we can differentiate slightly. Uh, so from our side, uh, we're kind of, I, I would say, whilst we will have conversations and we have been having conversations with kind of you know very large studios at the higher ends the sort of the areas that we're we're kind of um, most having kind of conversations with and most comfortable in those areas is sort of the the zero to five million so that's kind of uh, you know if it's a if someone comes up and and a title has been self-developed uh self-funded that's okay we'll, we'll we, you know we have conversations on that side but also we will go up to sort of about five million as a as a, a general range so it looks like it's my turn now. Um, thanks, uh, uh, Bobby and Zach, for making my life easier. So I won't have to repeat what you said already. I think that uh, for us, what is important to say that maybe it's slightly different from what you said is that uh, it's what we're not looking for in addition to, uh, you know, free, free to play and mobile games right now is probably sports games. Most of the developers that are here uh, would probably know that we have already um, a company, an internal studio that is doing racing games. Uh, so that space is something that we're really not that much uh, looking to expand right now. It doesn't mean we want in future, but not right now. And other than that, we, I think in terms of budget or, and scope of games, we are very much open to anything. We work with big studios right now, like Remedy or, you know, with Kojima production, but we are known for being a publisher that has been working with small indie studios and have helped them to grow. So we still keep that DNA inside and we still will still work and, and look at projects that are in the region of, you know, even below a million. Uh, it very much depends on the project itself and, you know, the potential. Um, so in that sense, in that respect, with regards to the budget, we're really not uh, putting any limit. It's, what I always say is not about how much game costs, but it's how much we can make out of it. So, you know, you're welcome to present us your pitches anyway. Yeah, again, once again, I don't have uh, a, a lot to change from um, what you guys have already said. Uh, we are not really restricted by any kind of genre. We're not looking for something that is like, you know, strictly an RPG or, uh, you know, aligning with uh, what Square Enix is known for. Although I could imagine that if you had a title that was like RPG, RPG uh, related that that would tap into the audience uh, of the company quite well. But I, I think most of all, uh, what we really are looking for is just teams who are really passionate about what they're presenting to us uh, because we're going to be working together for the next X amount of months or years. So if we get a team who's like really, uh, in, you know, into their game and really passionate that we get along with really well, that, that personable connection, I think uh, is a lot of the time what we're looking for um, because we're not restricted by genre or uh, budget in any way. Okay, so thank you so much for your advice. And another very, very easy questions. For you, what is the perfect pitch? So when you met a developer and he, he does a pitch to you when you really said, wow, he really nailed it. 
the really perfect pitch so i think it depends right it really depends but generally speaking when you first pitch to to me maybe i'm not representative of the of the entire outreach scout you know biz dev people but but at least to me what i would really like is the initial pitch to be um quite sensitive to time um because when someone sends me like a really long document and it's not very visual and it's really detailed and really long it takes me a really long time to really get to the bottom of what what is this project right so i'd want it to be quite concise to begin with to give me like a, a really good overview of the the project um understand why would anyone care about the game why are you making this game why are you the right team to make this game and what's the ask what what do you actually need from a partner in terms of budget but also in terms of services or what what you want out of the partnership um, those kind of things would be really good information to have, but really concise to begin with and see if there's like a good strategic fit first. And once I've got an understanding, OK, this is something that's really compelling and interesting for us and we're the right, potentially the right partner for it, then we can go into the real detail of it. Right. So the initial pitch, I'd like it to be concise and covering not just about the game, but also about the team and the longer term vision, that's really important to us too. And when I mean longer term vision, there's two parts to it. So one part is, and this is maybe for the later conversation to be had, right? But um, but generally it's really nice to have covered would be the, the, the year one post-launch content plan and also the longer term studio vision of where you want to take this brand. Like that kind of information, a lot of people tend to not have in their pitch deck, but it's really nice to, to understand that because we're in it for the long haul. Like we're in it, we're in it to create genuinely long-term partnerships. So that's something I'd really like to understand. Um, but the initial pitch, I'd like it to be visual. Um, if there's videos available, I'd like it to be a short video rather than a 30 minute long gameplay um, that I just need to kind of, I don't even know what I'm looking at, right? Like, and if you're going to provide a build, I'd really like to know what is that build proving out? Like how much time have you spent on the game? Like in terms of number of months and what where it is in terms of development? What, what are you trying to prove with that build rather than a build that's provided out of context, which I, I, I don't know if this is the final look of the game or if this is the final animation or, you know, like, so understanding the context of builds being provided would be good too. Um, and again, I think I'm going to have to echo a lot of what Bobby just said. This will be the rest of the talk will be me echoing uh, what Bobby said, I think. Um, very, very similar. I think, especially when you take like uh, first playable last year, and um, the way that that, that or the gamesindustry.biz summits or, or whatever else kind of work and it, it feels like there's maybe this kind of you know 20 minute initial uh, conversation that's that's kind of that happens and, and you're in that zone I guess that for me I think being really considerate of of the time and I don't by that I don't mean try and pack the 20 minutes I mean probably look at you know, trying to have a runtime of say 10 minutes so that you can initially have a conversation. There's some room for some questions. Hopefully, you know, uh, I or some of the other publishers can tell you a little bit about themselves and there's a little bit more uh, in, in that space. So for me, I think that if we were saying that the perfect kind of pitch for me is is something that is concise, gets across the, the idea, gets across again in visuals, absolutely, if there's a, a, a short, sizzle video that kind of shows it shows shows kind of what the concept is uh, a, a little bit maybe on the on whilst i think that you know 
all of the all publishers will have uh, a strong idea in terms of commercials as those conversations continue but me i think it's really lovely when when uh, a, a developer or a studio has has kind of considered what the market looks like and where that sits as well so a little bit of that but um yeah i think that 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 for me is 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 the biggest thing is a reminder that you know this is maximize that time that you have to be confident to be clear to be concise and then you know conversations can continue from there um but i i think that for me is very much kind of what i would i would be looking for for sure thank you both of you i try not to repeat what you said to answer your question so when i said this this page is, is really nailed down it's basically for me is when the developer can give me in five ten minutes as i was saying um a perfect picture of five elements i will always look in any page and these five elements are the five elements that will be you know you would you would expect to have in any presentation in any story in any you know kind of story you're gonna say and are the rules of the five w's i believe everyone knows you know where what who and i would say for whom uh, why and when So if a public, if a developer is able to give me in five, 10 minutes, these elements is basically giving me all the information I need. And this was still in time to ask more questions and to dig into each of those elements. These are the main things I would want to hear in every pitch. I have to say, I've seen some of some pitches done by some of the Italian developers that were really, really well done um, and some Some developers are really better than others in doing this, but practice, practice, practice is very important. And having the, the key elements in the first five, 10 minutes, I think is really, is really important. Not the key elements just about the game, but also about who you are and why you're doing that, how long it will take. Um, and as I said, you know, when you think you can deliver, yeah, and what's your story behind the game? Why are you doing that game instead of another one? And who is doing that? Who are the members of the team? But who are you addressing to? So which kind of market? What's your target? Why is that specific genre rather than another one? Um, these kind of elements so, you know, are really important. Yeah, that's a, you know, you guys are a tough crowd to follow because you've already so eloquently explained a lot of things that I would have uh, also said. For myself as a producer, not not strictly like a marketing or biz dev person, um, what I really love to see is when uh, in the pitches, the teams have a really good uh, understanding of their schedule and numbers and, you know, how they're using their team uh, to the best of their ability to like achieve the goals that they want to set out and also a good understanding of what the risks are in Involved and how they might um, mitigate those factors as well. Also, like you'd be surprised by how many uh, pitches get where the teams aren't necessarily sure about um, elements of what they want to pitch to us. And I think it's completely understandable to be in like a pre-alpha stage and um, not have things com like completely like uh, chiseled out, as it were, because you know the process of uh, development is it, it, you know involves in iterating, figuring out what does and doesn't work. But I think it instills confidence in us as publishers when uh, even if you know you may change things later on down the line, you have a confidence in what you want to do, what you want to take forward and try out in the first place. So uh, I guess that was uh, that would just be something else that uh, I would add to all the other very good points that were raised before. Okay, thank you. That that was a very good answer. I think it's you know we get these kind of questions a lot. Uh, another one. So 
What does it take to convince you and your company to publish a title from a studio? Because during the pitch, you start a conversation, but then usually it progresses when you really decide to sign something. Obviously, the product is important, and I'll talk about that a bit more. But And I think Lauren touched on it earlier in the talk about the team, the passion that comes across, the talent. That's really important, right? So the talent... What I look for in a talent is, is there a really strong leadership team? And is there like a technical person as part of the co-founders? That That's another thing that makes it kind of like, okay, that's really cool to have. It doesn't need to be, but if it's there, that's cool. Have they got, has the team got proven experience in the space that they are looking to work in, right? Are they subject matter experts? For example, if you have a team and you're as part of your pitch, you've got the kind of competitive landscape and all the competitive titles, I would really like to make sure that the people pitching to me has played every one of those games and can talk about those games better than I could, right? And they're absolutely subject matter experts. I'd like to see that they've they've got really good team dynamic and there's a really nice cultural fit that I can see that it would really work between this partnership between Sega and said partner. And in terms of product, um, having a compelling vision is really important. Having a really kind of longer term outlook would be really cool for us. Some studios, they like to work on, let's say, a racing game. And then the next time they want to work on something else, like a platformer or something like that wouldn't be a good fit for us. For us, we're looking to build brands and and communities and build, you know, like a really successful franchise. So we want to we want to see that kind of longer term vision of how that how the, the team want to grow that community over time and, and grow their brand over time want to understand that what the dev budget is make sure it's a good fit for us that there's franchise potential from our point of view and ultimately we want to make sure that that game that's being pitched to us really fits with our portfolio and so it doesn't kind of so it complements it in a really nice way and lastly i think this is very sega specific but for us um, our end game really is to do studio acquisitions in the end we want there to be genuinely long-term partnerships where we first start with creating a really cool game together and we do the publishing we don't take the ip we fully fund the game blah blah blah. but then after the success and if we feel like there's a lot of win-win you know on both sides we'd like to talk about then acquiring the studio so we we always talk about this from day one and we want to make sure that that studio that we're talking to is open to that idea from our side i I think the the thing that really kind of i guess there's a couple of elements that you say sort of convince us or, or, or for us is really essential and and there's one part of what bobby said in there which was the vision side of things i mean obviously you know he's he's talking about the the kind of the longer term the the franchise and all that sort of stuff i think uh, for us that the one of the key areas from our side and one of the key ethos is from from how we work is is about development vision and development passion and development creativity and 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 i know lauren mentioned the, the passion earlier as well when we make games in our studio when we make games like planet coaster um you know we make games that we are passionate about and we believe in and we have that creative vision within the team you know part of our our um kind of ethos is very much we want to work with teams that have that vision keep that creativity within their team we're not looking to 
be prescriptive and and say hey you need to do this that or the other in fact it's it's much more the other way around we're looking for opportunities to to really buy into the vision and the concept behind the game uh, and behind the team and want to see that brought out into the world so for us um you know we're uh, above all else we're looking for a studio where the the the, the passion and the vision is is kept within that team and and it, they're making the game that that they really want to make because we believe that that makes good games and and that's you know ultimately what we're all we're all we should all be striving for here is is ultimately good games and then i think in addition to that the things that that i think move us on to being able to kind of move on from there there's a couple of sort of more business side of things such as you know the commercial market does it look like there's there's an opportunity for it to um you know sell enough copies and and be a a, a big success and obviously i think you know any development team needs a, a publisher that, that believes in, in that potential success as well lauren said on the publishing on the production side we also you know we do also want to look into the studio do, you know do we have confidence that the team have enough experience have made titles before or have you know a, a strong enough build that you can kind of sell it's it's for us it's 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 those three areas really it comes down to um but the vision being kept within the studio is there a is there a, a commercial market that that we think is is workable and then also um you know the making sure that the the studio and the team and everyone um we have a lot of confidence in everyone being able to to both make the game and us to be able to publish it as, as good partners, really. I guess it's my turn. Um, yeah, passion is for sure the first thing. I mean, but the the answer, the question is, uh, you know, when we actually decide to sign, uh, my answer would be when all the main uh, product owner internally at 505, uh, so all the people that will have to work on, uh, on the game, um, and in this sense, it should be production and brand and uh, biz dev and top management. We all fall in love with the game uh, and we all agree that the game is something we want to work on. And um, for this to happen, it, passion is for sure very important, competence from the team. But also what is important is that exactly as Zach was saying, um, there is a market for it. I mean, we feel that there is a good commercial opportunity. Uh, so in other terms, the PNL works and the production side of things will run smoothly so that the team will be able to deliver uh, on time and on budget. And this, it, it doesn't come only from experienced teams or teams that has already develop, developed or delivered something, but uh, it also, could also come from new team or team that can show us that they have a very good project management uh, skills and capacity. When we decide is because the team has gone through a proper due diligence from our side and uh, the due diligence outcome is that this team will be able to deliver as we uh, will you know we would like to and we hope to uh, but the first step is definitely that we all fall in love with the game uh, we have a lot of discussions internally when it's come to signing game you know it, it, it really a lot uh, everyone around the table from production brand um, uh, be it dev or even the execs will, will say their work will say you know whether they like it or not and the reasons why and there are a lot of discussions and it's never one single person making the decision it's always a collective one that comes out from every single department, you know, showing confidence in the team and the fact that they will be able to give us um, the game we can really kick off from a brand and marketing perspective and make it successful both, uh, hopefully. 
I again agree with everything everyone said and uh, just to try and touch on uh, something that uh, wasn't mentioned. Um, so while uh, things like commercial opportunities and confidence and deliveries are like super important and obviously are at the front uh, or, you know, classed as kind of more important decision things that come into the decision making process. I think that we also take a somewhat holistic approach to evaluating teams as well, which is to say we we want to ensure that the teams that we work with align with our own values as well. So, you know, what is this like? What does the team stand for? Um, where are they in terms of diversity and inclusion? And what are they doing to, uh, you know, kind of like open up this game to the widest possible audience and make it as accessible as possible for the the gaming community as a whole and also one thing that we really like to see is like you know how how is communication in the team itself and like how do they communicate with each other to meet their deadlines and to kind of like um, make their builds and stuff because we work with teams across all different time zones so when a team presents to us that they and can show us that they have great communication between each other it gives us more confidence that they are going to communicate with us better so we always kind of know what's happening and if there are any roadblocks that we can be there as soon as possible to uh help help solve those problems and you know everything goes a bit smoother when everyone has really good communication so yeah that would be my answer to that okay thank you for your replies in the meantime we have some questions from the audience but uh, i do all the other questions that we have prepared and then we return to the audience questions so what is definitely something that the developer should not do when he or she pitches you again what's the definitely don't do that from a publisher perspective i i really would advise strongly advise against being negative while you're pitching and what, what i mean by that is don't say horrible things about other people's games you can be positive about it right and just say okay this is really great game and where what i offer is actually I'm, i look to improve on such and such feature or this is what my game offers that this other game does really good at but I, my game offers this which is actually really what makes it compelling you know you can like turn it on its head without having to say this game is rubbish or this team did a rubbish job because it just it just comes off better right and let's say god forbid you're in a room full of people that you're pitching to and they actually worked on one of those games that you were being negative about that would probably not go down very well and i would also look to take feedback really well from the meetings that you have generally speaking on the publishing side we see a lot of data right and and we naturally because of it our mindset can be quite influenced and so if someone is saying okay look there's a really strong opportunity here with this one or actually it's the opposite feedback and you're getting critical feedback about mm, there's questioning almost questioning uh, the viability of such a project right i'd take it on the chin and, and listen and, and go in there with an open mind rather than walking away cursing almost which has happened to me in in these kind of um speed dating events where i said no and I, i was being as polite as i could about why i was saying no but still the guy walked away genuinely literally cursing and it was like okay that didn't go down well maybe i could do a better job next time but i'd really advise against doing that to people generally speaking and i would treat the person that you're pitching to as just another fellow person in the games industry that just loves games right because 
I'm out there trying to find like the next cool game that I think is a good strategic fit, and because I, I love doing it. And sometimes, like when I'm pitching, when I'm having people pitch to me, like they'll almost like look down on their PC and wait until the meeting officially begins, and then when it begins, they kind of look up and then they start going into pitch mode, and it's quite robotic. And the key thing is that you build a rapport and a sense of, okay, I could really work with this person, right? And so when you're looking to build that kind of forge, that kind of relationship, it's almost like dating. I always describe it like it's, it's kind of like dating. So you want to kind of treat it in a way that you're treating it with respect and treating the other person like just a person rather than a bag of money. And um, I think that that will probably help. And when it comes to follow-ups, um, expect publishers to be like, um not the people holding the ball in their court it's very much it the ball is in your court to follow up right to kind of be quite proactive without becoming stalkery but just kind of giving gentle nudges about you know progress updates or where where the where, the, where it is in terms of the evaluation process if you know they're, they're saying they're evaluating it um yeah i think that, that's enough for me it's a funny one really what's the what's the the, the wrong thing to do what's the and i i find it a difficult one because i do think that you know we all know that that making games is very difficult we all know that that you know you have to pour so much of your heart and soul into making it and going out there and i think that just going out there and pitching and and going through the process i think is really really uh, healthy and i know that you know, it's one of those ones, gain a huge amount of experience out of just doing one of the big rounds if you haven't previously anyway. So I, I'll kind of probably keep it quite short. I think for me, there's if, if I was to say the one thing not to do, and crazily, this isn't something that you can necessarily help, but I just hopefully more to give people a little bit more reassurance and, and confidence, I guess, is don't be afraid of going in and pitching. Try and, try and not worry about it. Try not to have any nerves. You, you've heard all the people that have been that are talking today from incredible uh, publishers and they're all wonderful real human beings just go in and and you know go out there have have confidence in what you're saying pitch what you've got and um you know the the very very worst that will happen is that you'll get some really valuable experience from it so uh, that's the one thing for me is try not to be try not to be too nervous i wouldn't say it's a wrong thing to do but try try and uh let yourself feel a little bit more relaxed into to, to what you're going to be doing um thank you uh for your uh, interesting view, uh, I think that is always useful for us as well as uh, to hear what other publishers uh, have to say. Um, so for, for me, the re there are two things that are really annoying and uh, I will be very straight to it. The one thing that is really gives, you know, gives me lack of confidence is when uh, a developer reads the PowerPoint or the PDF or whatever they have in front of, of them to pitch me the game. You know, you know your game. You know what you're pitching. You shouldn't be reading a document. The document is there to help you out, to explain me, but you should be able to tell me about your game without you know, watching on a, on a screen or, or watching a, a document that you've prepared in advance. So that's something that I really don't like and I would strongly advise to do. And, and the other thing is, uh, um, you know, try to be respectful as much as you can. And what I mean by respectful is, you know, we often, when we do uh, meetings, when we do one-to-one -one meetings as publisher, we spend, often we spend the whole day meeting people every 20 or 30 minutes. We don't even have lunch. Uh, we start nine o'clock, we end up eight p uh, you know, 6 p.m. or whatever it is. 
and it might not be the same for the developers but that is what it is for the publisher so if somebody comes in very relaxed like oh i've just been on the beach lying outside or you know with a pc that is not working because maybe he forgot to try to, to charge it or uh you know think stupid things like uh, yeah maybe the video is not running because they didn't they didn't uh prepare it in advance or things like that that is something that really annoys me because it shows that there's no respect or at least there is a little bit of lightness you know it's a, you know you're taking it too lightly other than that everything is fine it's fine to fuck it up it's fine to have problems where you know you you get anxious about it it's fine you know it's fine just if you don't know something you know if i ask you something and you don't have the answer don't pretend you do just tell me you don't and you will let me know and so they're really the two things that really uh, i think it's really difficult for me uh, to accept is that people are that are irrespectful and people that are reading all the time rather than telling me their story and that is really it yeah so i guess um mostly i'll probably be just echoing kind of what zach said uh which is i don't really have any advice on what not to do i've tried not to focus on like kind of saying like there is a black and white of what you should and should not do because that's just absolutely not the case um not everyone is born and raised with the same level of confidence or has the same opportunities and training and one thing that i would love to make clear about us is and i'm absolutely sure this is the case across the board with all of the publishers is that you know we want developers to feel safe and comfortable and developers from all backgrounds to feel confident coming to talk to us. Like I said, not everyone has that same level of confidence, so it takes some time for um, some teams versus others to be able to kind of get there. And I think a lot of that is by making mistakes and gaining experience by you know pitch after pitch after pitch and it can be exhausting and it can be mortifying and embarrassing and you just like think about these things for like days and days after it happened like why would i say that like i can't believe i didn't i didn't remember to like show this stat or i'd glossed over this slide and i was like flustering and that's absolutely fine um because you know you won't do that the next time you do it and another uh, point to kind of um key into that is that if you're concentrating so hard on um, trying to give the publisher what you think they want, you are really doing yourself a disservice because you, I think that you know you're trying to give people what you think they want, and that might be something that someone else can give. But if you really concentrate um, on being your most authentic self and selling your team and your game and letting that speak for itself, then you're going to be delivering to the publisher something only you can do, and that really reads when you're not trying to be something else or trying to please someone you're trying you're instead trying to explain what is really special about your team and what is really special about your game um so sorry that's not like exactly like what not to do um i don't really have an answer for that but i think that the best thing you can do is just be your most authentic self mauro if i can say one more thing about this yeah um just absolutely Something that was coming up to my mind. I don't know if uh, Bobby, Zach and, and Lauren has the same experience, but internally, ourselves as BitsDev, we have to pitch your pitches internally to the rest of the people that are involved in making the decision. So most of the time we experience the same uh, things that you as developer experience, at least this is what happens at 505. We experience the same thing you experience when pitching the game to us. 
with the difference that it's not our own game. So we have to champion it internally and we have to make sure we transfer your passion and you're willing to do the game internally. So we we absolutely know how it can be hard to make a pitch to other people, uh, fellow or execs or publisher. We Perhaps I personally, I do know how difficult that can be. Um, so when I f I'm in front of somebody, you know, it's everything that you will be doing, I'm kind of expecting it because I have been through it or I could be through it anytime when I'm pitching it internally. So, you know, it, it's something that is should probably help to you to understand you can feel a little bit more relaxed about uh, you know, how you pitch games to a publisher. Okay, thank you. So we have some questions for the audience. I'll try to read through them. Uh, um, the first one is, what's your policy about PC uh, IP ownership? So do you request to buy the IP or it depends? Or song. I, I don't mind jumping in first on this one. Um, at Collective, uh, we do not take any IP ownership. Uh, the developers retain all uh, ownership over all of their IP, um, and yeah, we don't we don't try and like make it a Square Enix game or anything like that. It belongs to the developers. I'll jump in as well. Uh, exactly the same. We don't take any um, IP. We have the we have a publishing um, agreement, but the IP stays with the developers. Same at Sega. Um, for us, it depends. It depends if we're co-funding and uh, you know if we're put or if we are full funding. Uh, but even in the case we all, we require IP ownership, uh, we would always um, have a contract nailed down and whether the developer stays involved on a long-term basis on the IP. Okay, fantastic. So uh, another one is at which point of development do you think is best to start searching for a publisher? Is it okay to bring a prototype which shows the game mechanics but that lacks a good part of the game graphics, for example? I'll go first on this. Uh, prototype is fine with us. Uh, yeah, I think uh, for us, uh, we receive uh, lots of pitches at different stages. And if, if for example, you, you come to us with a very early prototype and a strong concept, uh, what we might suggest is that uh, we kind of, it's a project that we like and a team that we like, but we we can't really get on board so early in like kind of um, previs or anything um, that maybe we revisit the conversation later when, uh, you know, there's more being done and there's kind of like a, a more clear view of where the game is going. So just because uh, something might be a little too early or, you know, not quite there yet doesn't mean that, and we, we kind of like don't jump on board then, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's an end to the conversation. Uh, it just means that it might take us a little bit more time to truly understand what we can work with there. Yeah, absolutely the same from us as well. We. Um... We, we see games at, at, at all different um, stages and some from concept through to some to a, a vertical slice and anywhere between those and, and obviously if we've had a conversation first off and it, and it doesn't feel like we have quite the, the enough information then um, often we will say look this is we'll probably be waiting for X uh, either a, a you know a, a full vertical slice or a tech demo or whatever it is that that is part of that process so um, yeah we're, we're pretty open at, at all stages. So for us at Sega Searchlight we it depends is the answer I'm sorry it does depend so we definitely much prefer to talk early earlier is better than later the earlier the better generally speaking when it becomes late it becomes almost like a distribution deal like it's low risk 
and everything like you've already proven it and, and all but it means there's very little value that we can add to the project as a partner so we'd much prefer to get involved early and um like say for example two point hospital uh, a game that we released like last year i think it was um or maybe it's been over yeah i don't know but anyway um two point hospital as an example when we signed that game they didn't have a postcode right for, for the studio yet like they didn't have a zip code so we couldn't actually do like a due diligence yet and they, they didn't really have a line of code written but they were the founders were highly credible and the team that they were pulling together were really credible and we had no doubt we were with a safe pair of hands so we were totally fine to sign a game that was like you know like as early as it could get right it, it, it couldn't have been earlier but if it's a team that's unproven then we'd want a vertical slice you know and if it's a team that's an established studio they've worked in the genre already they're making a, a sequel or spin-off of a game that they've already been working on they have all the knowledge and skill set required to to put, put it out of the bag then we'd probably look at talking really early and we can sign really early but if it's not then we'd we'd want you know the team to definitely prove themselves to, for us to be able to be feel reassured that we we can get behind the game okay so another one how do you see the overlap of the younger age target with console uptake and ownership is it something that you are interested in pushing for the current or future console generations sorry mara i didn't get the question can you say it again yeah yeah sorry probably so the question is, how do you see the overlap of the younger age target with console uptake and ownership? Is it something that you are interested in pursuing uh, for the current or future console generations? What, the console uptake by the younger generation, right? Like the thing is, when it comes to next gen, we don't know. I, I don't know, I, because it's not even out yet, so I don't know. But um, generally speaking, we're looking at PC console choices and not mobile. And there's a lot of youngsters on mobile for sure, but hopefully they kind of graduate into wanting more core experiences which they can really like that mobile is great and there is more and more core games on mobile but generally speaking pc consoles definitely where it's at if you want a really immersive really core experience so if we're talking about i think it goes beyond age i think it becomes more about like profile like character profiles so of who you're trying to serve like if you're making a match three game or you know whatever like like a casual experience then generally speaking the uptake on that on consoles probably lower um but i i think what we do try and be mindful of is ensuring we look at stuff that's not trending now but could trend in the future right in terms of what kind of experience being offered so yeah, I don't know if that answers the question at all. I'll jump in quickly. Um, again, I'm, I'm similar to Bobby. I'm not sure if this totally answers the question. It sounded to me like the question was kind of, uh, are we are we interested in pushing a game that pushes the younger adoption onto console, which I think feels like a, a maybe a wider kind of industry-esque question rather than necessarily a publishing question. For me, um, we're interested in, in all of the... the PC and console games that that have a market that that you know we believe is is one that that we can kind of go out to. So um, we would kind of go with: is it a great game? Does it have a market? You know, at, at its core first, uh, rather than than trying to increase an audience in somewhere else. From my side, I'd say we are platform agnostic and age agnostic, right? You know, so. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we're personally, I've been playing since I was eight and I'm 
and you know I'm not uh, I'm without shame saying I'm I'm still playing less than I was but I'm still so it very much uh, depends uh, you know on the profile as Bobby was saying um, but we think PC and console are needed regardless then you know it very much depends on the profile and the genre um, there will always be uh, an overlap uh, between the platforms um, and this probably will drive a little bit the player's age but you know those that are young today will become older and will eventually go on the next platform so uh, pretty much I would say as Bobby and and Zach said uh, same, same kind of spirit yeah I would totally agree with that I actually don't have anything else to add Lauren you go first next time <laughs> <laughs> And you know what, because we don't have video, you can't see me nodding, but I'm nodding so much whenever you guys are answering, because it's so true, everything, like throughout this talk, this panel, it's just been like, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's totally it, right? Well, that's what happens every time we do a panel together, apparently, right? <laughs> Yeah, when you guys are speaking and like I'm writing down my notes for the for the like you know my answer, I'm just like crossing off points that I've like written that I like completely agree with that you guys have already covered as well. Okay, we have a couple more questions. I think we can squeeze them in the little time that we have. The first one is: many teams are looking to scale up after signing a publishing deal. These sometimes a turn off, especially when the team is looking to make some K hires. Is it a red flag on your side? And is there anything a developer can do to make this position this a better proposition? Not sure I completely under, uh, understood the question. Is it, are you saying that um, it could, it, it, like, do we see it as like a red flag if the team wants to scale up after signing a publishing deal or? It, yeah, I think this is a question. If, if, it, if it's a red flag for you, if you, you scale up after that. I don't think so at all, as long as that's presented really clearly and clearly communicated to us throughout the pitching process, you know, like uh, development is expensive and difficult and it takes time to find the right people to fit in your team to uh, the gel properly and to make a great game. So it's understandable that uh, it's an ongoing process. And also people do dip in, in and out of teams. So you, know, you can get to a certain point and then uh, a portion of your team moves off. So you have to ramp up again. Uh, I don't see it as a red flag at any point if, if a team needs to ramp up on recruitment, as long as there's like a clear strategy in place for uh, understanding when people are going to be onboarded and uh, also like how the workflow is kind of going to be managed around that as well. Yeah, that's what I think. I think from our side, I would, uh, it, it, I think it's definitely one of the questions that we ask in terms of the the scale and the ramp up of the project. And, and I think there's, there's naturally an expectation that, you know, as a projects aren't necessarily linear all the time, often they will have, um, you know, hires and, and expansion within that. Um, I, I guess it depends on the circumstance though. I mean, if you, you know, if uh, I think if you were to say that you were a, a development studio and you were going to hire an entire new team to make a game, then um, I, I'm sure that that would probably be a question that, that any publisher would say, okay, well, you know, oh, do we have confidence that that team, you know, if you've hired literally an entire team to do it, can, can do it? So I think there, there's elements in there about it's it's about whether 
um, the overall project makes sense and whether there is, uh, you know, um, the kind of the production plan to, to an extent, but in terms of the hires and everything else, does it make sense in the, in the way that it's working? And, and, and really it depends on the circumstance, but I think there's always an expectation that there is some recruitment that happens, but there's also, um, there are times when, you know, if a, a studio wants to expand to a point where they want to do three different titles and, and get a publishing deal on every single one of those, and that requires, you know, huge amounts of expansion, then, you know, also, I think that there's, it's rightly to say that can that team deliver the project and the vision that's being put out at the moment? So it's it, there's a balance, and I guess it's, it's all very kind of depending on the circumstance. I generally don't see it as a red flag. Um, I would only see it as a red flag if you are in a country or location that would be hard to hire people um and if you have the core leadership team in place already then it's definitely like it's 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 like people said already it's kind of almost expected that you will have to ramp up after signing so it's just making sure that you've got a clear plan and strategy in place um to ensure that you you can get the right team in place um it's really common that people need to ramp up during you know, when they're pitching, they're like, yeah, I'm, I, I expect to ramp up, blah, blah, blah. Probably more than 50% of the pitches I see are people requiring to ramp up their team to deliver the game. So it's, it's just making sure you've got a plan in place. Um, same here. Uh, ramping up is not a, an issue as long as we are clearly presented that when we discuss the pitch and before signing and there, there is a resource map and a resource plan coming in with the, with the pitch or, you know, when we enter into conversations. The only red flag that I could see if, uh, for example, a team of five, six people come with a pitch and were to achieve the um, the ultimate result and deliver the game, they need to ramp up to 50 people and, you know, get into a space where, you know, they, they don't really, they have no expertise or they don't really know how to do it. That would be a red flag, but it's more about the general concern on the concept itself rather than the ramp up. Ramp up is fine. Okay. The time is basically over, but if you have time, we have two more questions, if it's okay for you. Sure. Okay. So the first one is, how much is the artistic side of a game taken in consideration when deciding to publish it or not? Um, we don't sign games based on if it's a piece of art or not, but more if, um, if it's compelling, there's a clear opportunity, there's that longer term opportunity for us to and it makes sense for us to get involved right but like if they there's a game that's like a work of art and it's like a really nice good read of a book and there's a clear beginning and end and it's like just amazing I don't, i'd never say never but that uh the the game being amazing as an experience on offer is almost a given right but if it just focuses too much on being art and not you know actually something commercial then yeah then that's a problem for me um it, it can't be the only reason to sign a game let's put it this way for us same i would say it's it, for me it's about whether the the fact that it is uh, uh an art in in its own form uh, whether that adds to how compelling the game is and how amazing the game is um, if it's additive then great yeah i would agree with that too so okay the last question is uh how about vr and xr games do you have any comment or insight on that market from what from funding and distribution point of view? Um, we we only publish to uh, PC and console. Uh, we don't work with like AR, VR, mobile or anything like that. So I don't really, unfortunately, I don't have any insight on that. 
at all. I'm exactly the same. At Sega Searchlight, we're, yeah, same position as Lauren. Yeah, same here. Very similar. I mean, we do have a, um, Elite Dangerous is a, a VR title um, as well as being a PC and console title. But um, in terms of uh, opportunities, we're, we're we we aren't um, currently really looking at uh, unless something amazing came out, but it's not necessarily something that we're specifically discussing. Okay, so okay, we have a final one. Then I think it's that's all. And uh, I've heard from the publishers I try to get in touch with. Uh, in this moment, most of them prefer single-player games to publish rather than multiplayer games. What are the reasons behind this trend? Is it the fear of going against big popular titles or the problems bound to user acquisition and similar, similar dynamics? Um, I can't speak for everyone. We publish a number of multiplayer titles and just thinking about the challenges that come with multiplayer versus single player, uh, which depending on the team presenting the pitch for the game, it depends on the team's experience and their viability that they will actually be able to bring to life and support a game that will need so much more attention than a single player. You know, when you're talking about like servers and latency and uh, lobbies or uh, kind of like, um, like VoIP and stuff like that, like there's so many more things to consider and you have to be fully confident whether the team can deliver those essential things as part of a multiplayer package. Um, so I think it's more down to whether, uh, you know, the team in question has presented the competency with that than uh, us in particular, uh, not wanting to touch multiplayer games. I'd agree with Lauren. I think it's uh, it's down to the confidence we have uh, that the, the game as it's presented and the team can really, um, you know, stand out versus competition. Uh, we all know that those that are making multi mainly multiplayer games, they also have a lot of uh, more of uh, resources and a lot of people working on those. So it's a matter of, you know, do we have a team that can really deliver a compelling and competitive multiplayer game in the market? And then yes, we look up to it, into it. Uh, if not, it's better to have a good single player game. Yep, I'd agree as well. We're happy to, to talk about um, multiplayer titles, um, but I just think it is, it's always important to understand kind of the landscape and, and, you know, with any kind of, I mean, there are so many different multiplayer games out there, but um, if you're talking about, you know, the, the, the competitive multiplayer session-based titles, then, you know, it, it, I think it is really important to know that, that, you know, a game like that has to be so good and so good from day one, and it has to retain those the the community that come and play it and it, it you know because it's one of those ones that you know you can have so many areas if you don't have matchmaking with someone the experience is bad it can easily snowball uh, out into to 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 not being successful so i think that it's um you know it's it, there, there's definitely no problem with multiplayer games but um as a as a if if that's the type of game that you're making then i think it's really important to know that what the challenges are out there and how competitive that market is i completely agree like i think um we almost prefer to see some kind of multiplayer in a game to be honest if anything but it does it, whether it's multiplayer or single player how is this game going to be positioned and who is it go up who is it going to go up against right like if it's a single player third person adventure game is it going up against last of us god of war whatever right like it's it doesn't really matter if it's multiplayer or not. It, it, 
or in terms of who is it going up against? Is it going up against the huge giants? And is there only a couple of big players in that space? Like if you wanted to make a football game, you know, you're going to go up against FIFA and Pez, right? And it's like, okay, is there, is there space for another one and still have meaningful market share? So it, I think the the question of how, how big are your competitors doesn't really differ whether it's single player or multiplayer, but it's just you know what kind of game are you making? And, but then what's so true is if it's multiplayer, there's a lot of things you have to consider, right? So then we'll be asking like, okay, when we ask ourselves, can this team deliver the game? There's a few more things that we'll be looking for to ensure that we do feel confident that we can deliver a really compelling experience that beats kind of user expectations. But yeah, we, we look for multiplayer or single player games. We we don't really, yeah. Well, it's almost a preference on multiplayer at the moment. Uh, yeah, for now. Sorry, I went on for a bit. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you. So I think we've, we've run through all the questions that we had. Thank you so much for your time. If you still have time, do you want to give a final suggestions to the Italian developers who will attend first playable? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah, just don't. Don't doubt yourselves. Uh, if you're nervous, that's fine. But uh, you know, like uh, the guy said earlier, you know, we're all just people, and we're really looking forward to hearing about all the games that are being pitched. Like that's why we do it, because we love hearing about it, and you know, we want to find cool games that are out there. And um, yeah, just enjoy it as well. Um, don't don't um, get too in your head about it. From my side, just uh, if you can fill out the. Like on a really kind of uh, boring kind of level, get in there, get your get your your profile completed nice and early because I know that certainly us and I'm, I'm sure everyone else uh, on on the panel here will be going through all the different studios to see if there's anyone that initially looks and goes, okay, well actually that, that they're probably someone because you know ultimately we're going to be there and and um, and and you know we want to get as much out of the event as as you guys do, so um, just make sure you get in there and and make it as easy as possible to be found get in early and, and make some requests nice and early so that you get the opportunity for the spaces um, and just yeah enjoy it that's really it I'm looking forward to meeting most of you again and uh, let's try to enjoy even if it's only online for me I think um, when you send your meeting requests through meet to match definitely tailor it and make sure it doesn't need to be hugely tailored but just don't send the default message just have your message that you use that you send to people and and make sure you change the name of the person that you're addressing maybe because sometimes people don't forget to do they forget to do that <laughs> <laughs> and definitely include a link i what for me at least please include a link to the pitch material because unless i see what the pitch is about i'm not going to accept the meeting anyway um and i, I probably it's the same for quite a few other publishers and investors so I'd, I'd, I'd have your pitch deck or material readied early and like Gio said earlier practice 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 right and just like and I think Zach mentioned like just make sure you get it concise and in time and leave enough time for discussion and you know Q&A at the end as well as a bit of an intro kind of warm-up kind of section to just get to know each other with whoever you're talking to first get, make sure you got um everyone in the house in order so that you don't get disrupted during the meeting too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's that preparation, right? It's all about preparation. And um, yeah, I think that, those are the key things from me. And have a good time, you know, be yourself. It's so true, like Lauren was saying. Okay, so 
thank you so much for your time. It's time to close the uh, the business talk. Uh, it, thank you to you all. It's been really appreciated. I think it, it's been super useful for the Italian developers. So see you at First Playable. Bye. 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 Thank you.